Welcome to episode 11. I'm so glad you're here and I'm glad you're listening. This is Biohacking with Brittany, a podcast that focuses on biohacking in affordable and accessible ways for everybody. Today has got to be one of my favorite episodes that is coming out. It is with Kayleen Tinker, and we talk all about natural fertility and natural cycles and cycle syncing and seed seed cycling and all the cycling. And she really just shares with us her personal story with birth control, now being on natural birth control, and well, now she's actually trying to get pregnant and just really all of the different things that she is working on with her husband for that. And it's a really personal story and she's just got so much knowledge in this area. So it's so fun to talk to her because I'm super, super passionate about this topic. And I'm actually thinking about taking my business and consulting to this area in the future. Once I become a registered holistic nutritionist, which will be soon as school is basically done by now. Yeah, it's really exciting. And this is just like so filled with information this episode. So if you have any questions, obviously reach out. I would love to chat. I'm sure she would be open to like you reaching out to her as well. If you have any like personal questions or anything of the sort, but we both have kind of done similar things. So I'm sure like either of us will be able to help. So yeah, everything mentioned in this show will be in the show notes below because we kind of go through quite a few different biohacks and like kind of things that you can buy and different brands and stuff. So those are, those are linked below, but yeah, let me know what you think. I'd love to get some feedback. Thank you for the reviews that have come in. That's like just so nice. And like, I love reading them and I'm always surprised when I get notified that there's a review. Thank you for that. And obviously, once again, if you have like anyone that you would love to hear on or any type of topic you'd love for me to chat about, let me know. Yeah. Like episode comes out every week, comes out every Thursday. Now I'm back in Canada. So I'm on this North American time schedule and yeah, let me know what you think and I hope you enjoy it. Great. So welcome to the podcast, Kayleen Tinker. I'm so excited that you are here with us today to talk about all things biohacking, natural health and fertility. We're going to get into and just basically your journey with how you got to this point. So I would love for you to introduce yourself and kind of just take us through the last few years and really the pivotal moments that got you to where you are and your health today. Sure. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I got into biohacking probably about three or four years ago. Before, Prior to that, I was a vegetarian for 10 years. And I decided to become a vegetarian because I hated how gross and unethical conventionally farm cows and chickens were raised. And I just decided I was not going to support those farms. So I became vegetarian. I kind of ate, you know, the standard American diet, higher carb, low fat. I still ate lots of vegetables and was pretty healthy. But one morning I, I woke up at 4.30 in the morning to go to the gym like I usually did. And I stepped out of my bed and I fell over and nearly fainted. So I, that was kind of my pivotal moment of like, okay, something is wrong. You've been sick for a while. You've been fatigued, always getting sick when the seasons change. I had chronic UTIs and now I couldn't go to the gym because I just almost fainted. 
So I kind of decided to go to a naturopath. I had had conventional medical practitioners in the past, and they really just told me nothing was wrong with me. I just got UTIs. I got sick because everybody gets sick, and I was just tired because I was stressed. So I decided to go to a naturopath. This was very new for me. My family hadn't ever done naturopath medicine before, so I didn't really know what to expect. But obviously, the first thing she did was she drew my blood, and the major things that that we saw was I was pretty much non-existent with my B12. My D3 was super, super low. I had really low vitamin C, a folate deficiency. My white blood counts were super high. I was dehydrated and like the list goes on and on and on. So one of the things that my naturopath told me to do was she said, I really needed to eat meat. My body was like screaming for me because I didn't have any B12. And she also said I needed to clean up my diet since my, you know, my markers were all over the place. So I searched on the internet for, I was searching for grass-fed meats and chicken that were ethically raised and pasture-raised. And somehow I came across the Bulletproof Diet. And I don't know how, I don't know why, but for those of you that don't know, the Bulletproof Diet is founded by Dave Asprey. And he was kind of one of the main biohackers. And he's the one that kind of pioneered the drink your butter in your coffee. So I decided that I was going to try the coffee and I was going to try the diet. And literally from the first cup of coffee, I was hooked because when you put those exogenous ketones in your coffee, all of a sudden you don't have brain fog and you have concentration and you're like ready to go for the day. After that, I was just, I was hooked on biohacking. I wanted more. I wanted to feel better. I did his bulletproof diet, that plan that he has. It's like a two week plan. I loved it. I started feeling better instantly. And I really just like dove deep into other biohacks that I could implement in my life on a daily basis. And I started feeling better and I just kind of became a little bit obsessed. (laughs) But anyway, long story short, that's how I got into biohacking. I think a lot of people get into biohacking through that, like through Dave Asprey and through the Bulletproof Diet. Mm -hmm. So is that the diet that you still follow? And is for Bulletproof Coffee, do you still use his specific recipe? Yes and no. So yes, I use the coffee. I use Bulletproof brand coffee or the Keon brand coffee because I know that they're tested for mold toxins, whereas a lot of other coffee brands don't test for those. And it's just one less thing I want out of my diet. And I I pretty much still use his original recipe of some grass-fed butter, brain octane oil. In my opinion, I think brain octane oil works better than other MCT oils that I found, or at least I seem to have less brain fog and more like mental cognition when I use that one. So that's what I use. Occasionally, I'll put some like vanilla in it or some cacao powder or you know something for maybe some pumpkin spice during the winter time but I pretty much keep it the same. I like it. It's it works for me so I I keep going down that path. And then as far as my diet goes, I pretty much still follow the bulletproof diet and I think the cool thing about the bulletproof diet is that you can tailor it to your needs so 
know, they give you a list of foods that are really good for everybody to eat. And they're kind of in the green zone. And then there's a list of foods in the yellow zone that are, they might be suspect for some people, but they might be really great for other people. For instance, nightshades. Some people are great with them. Other people can't have them. So I've kind of developed the foods that I know I can eat and I know that I like. And so I continue to kind of use that. But I also implement kind of eating for my cycle, which has really, really helped me in the past, like probably six to eight months. Yeah. So I would definitely love to dive into that. I am such a fan of cycle syncing and I have a free like PDF on my website that outlines what that is and what to eat for the different phases of your cycle. And the Bulletproof diet is actually pretty great. So for those who have never heard of it, it's a higher fat, medium carb and like kind of medium protein diet. It's basically plant-based. It's different from paleo, whereas paleo is almost like very protein animal, protein based, whereas it's more focused on plants and antioxidants and polyphenols and these like more nutritious things that you can get into your diet. So that's kind of where that is. But tell me about eating for your cycle. Like, wh- like what does that look like? And how did you learn about that? Okay. Well, I kind of, so I was doing the bulletproof diet for a while and then my husband and I both kind of got into the keto. So we were doing pretty low carb. He was probably, well, he was under 20 carbs. I was probably under, I don't know, 40 carbs. And I noticed that like a week before I started my period, I had like no energy and I just did not feel good. This was probably four months into a pretty strict keto diet. And I really wasn't doing keto to lose weight. I just, I liked how I felt. I had good energy, so I kept doing it. But about, like I said, four to six months in, I started not feeling good like the week before my period. So I did some researching and I found that it's actually better to eat different things, specifically different proteins, different vegetables, different seeds, and different fats for different times of your cycle. So I started playing around with that and I really felt that that was like the best thing I could do. I had the best energy. I felt just more balanced and in control. Yeah. So if you actually follow cycle syncing with not only your nutrition, but also your exercise, it can have amazing benefits on your cycle. So every time I've followed it like through and through every day, my cycle has been more regular. My PMS symptoms have been lower. My period's been a lot easier to handle. I am far less moody. I'm sleeping better. And it's kind of this idea that the way that you live and the things that you do to your body should be in sync with the phase that you're in. Because, you know, women every single day are not the same. And it's a very different way of thinking. A lot of people have no idea about it. A lot of people don't understand it. But women work on kind of like a 28-day, 30-day cycle, whereas men, hormones kind of fluctuate over 24 hours. And I've heard like a few people starting to talk about it now. I think it's getting momentum, but that's absolutely amazing that you know about it and you've done it yourself and seen the benefits. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like no one's talking about it. It's yeah. it's actually kind of crazy. Like you would think that even like holistic OBGYNs or like 
holistic doctors would talk to you more about it, but it's just kind of starting to become a thing. But I think that once people start to implement it, it's really going to take off. And I haven't quite done the exercise thing yet. It's something that I know that I need to implement because I think that it's just going to make me feel that much better. So I'm excited to chat with you more either like later about, you know, what different exercises I can implement during the different times. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, like you have different energy levels throughout the month, right? So when you're ovulating, you have a ton of energy and your libido is really high, obviously, because you have an egg that's waiting to be fertilized in you. So during those times, you want to be doing things like spin class or like just really difficult workouts or lifting really heavy. And then as the body like you know, assuming that you don't get pregnant, as the body calms down, you want to be doing more restorative practices. So more walking, yoga, lower intensity things as your period comes. So it's just this idea of like living in in our natural cycle and like going with our body's natural instinct. And mm-hmm. there's so many different parts to it. But I do think what has taken off is seed cycling. So using different fats and different seeds throughout the month to help facilitate your hormones, but I'd like to see it kind of go up a notch and go into other areas as well, like you said. For sure, definitely. So in terms of your cycle and your fertility, kind of like take us through your experience with that and where you are now with it in terms of natural health and all of that natural birth control and other things like that. Yeah, for sure. Like many people, I was on the birth control pill for, I don't know, probably 10 years. And then I was on the IUD, the Mirena, for another two to three years. And it kind of sucks because nobody at the time tells you the implications that could happen once you come off your hormonal birth control. They tell you to go on it because it's going to regulate your cycle. It's going to make you feel better. It's going to lower your PMS. It's going to In my case, I was a swimmer, so my doctor was like, oh, go on the IUD, you won't have your period, and then you just won't have to worry about ever dealing with that. So I was like, oh, sign me up, that's awesome. But unfortunately, that was kind of a mistake that I made, but I didn't know at the time. No doctor ever told me, but when I came off my hormones, my real hormones, not my synthetic hormones, my real hormones were all out of whack because of my synthetic hormones that I had been taking for the last 12, 13 years. And it took a long time to regulate them. I was working with a naturopath as well. And my period ended up coming back normal after four to five months, but it did take that long. And I had kind of the the last part of my morena, I had a huge cyst rupture on my left ovary. It was like the size of a baseball. And it was the most painful thing I have ever felt in my life. The doctors just said, you just need to let it burst. We're not going to go in there and do any type of surgery or anything, but just let it burst and then you'll be fine. It will heal. So that's what I did. But I actually think that caused a lot of scar tissue. So recently I've been doing like neurotherapy to help break up that scar tissue. Luckily, I think that that's worked because I've gone in for tests and everything seems to be clear now, whereas before it 
it probably wasn't. I didn't do a test to see if it was or wasn't, but we don't think that my tubes would have been completely clear because of that cyst. And now my fertility is, my husband and I have been trying to have a kid for over a year now, and all of our tests are coming back normal. I'm on, you know, I've taken a lot of my supplements down because I don't need them anymore, at least my hormone regulating ones, but something is still off. We don't know what that is, but it's really, really frustrating. And I wish that somebody would have told me all of the hardships I was going to go through just by taking synthetic hormones for so many years. And there's so many other ways to not get pregnant. I mean, it's, it's very easy to know the few days that you're really fertile and actually can get pregnant. You can track that so easily. I track that with my aura ring and my body temperature because I'm trying to get pregnant. I also track it with OPK sticks, but you could easily track that with just a thermometer and it's super easy. And then there's only, you know, you only have a period of five days that you can actually get pregnant. So I don't know why that practice isn't talked about more, but unfortunately that's how it was. Wow. Yeah, so I have like similar story to you. I was on the pill and then I had the Marina IUD as well. And the same thing a couple years into my Marina, I had a cyst as well, but mine was like pretty small, but I felt it rupture and it was so painful. So I could only imagine with one of your size, like how hard that must have been for you to go through. And then to get the IUD out is a whole thing in itself. And then to come out and try and balance your hormones and have a regular cycle, it's, it's pretty complicated. And like you said, like no one really talks about it. Like I went on it because I was like, I want to be protected. I don't want to worry about anything. I'm too young to have a child. You know, all these reasons. But long-term, the implications can be pretty detrimental. Definitely. If I wasn't working with a naturopath, I don't have any idea how I would really regulate my hormones. Like I had no idea the different types of things I should be taking, the tests I need to do in order to figure out where my hormones are at. Like I would have no freaking clue. So I just, I can only imagine that women coming off of their birth control who are seeing, you know, maybe a regular MD who don't really like coach you through that. I I mean, you can be way out of whack and, I mean, forever. <laughs> it's one of those things that you you might be out of whack until you actually try and have a child and realize what is going on, right? Yeah. But, yeah. And then you're forced to figure it out somehow. And it might be harder than you think to figure out. Yeah. What are some of the biohacks or nutritional things that you're doing right now to help you be as fertile as you can be? That's a good question. So the food I'm eating is probably the best thing. I'm very clean with what I eat. So I eat a lot of good fats, clean proteins, lots and lots of vegetables and lots of different types of vegetables. I don't necessarily worry about my carb intake right now. So if I want sweet potatoes today, I will have sweet potatoes today. Not that I have them every day, but I'm not as worried about my carb intake. I'm just more worried about what my body wants right then and there. So definitely doing that. I definitely had a hormone test done. I did the Dutch test. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah. So I did that and we kind of figured out 
the different things that I was too high in or too deficient in. So I'm supplementing for that. Lots of fish oil. Um, I'm taking a prenatal with methylfolate, which actually in the last couple months I had ordered my typical prenatal from Amazon and realized that it was a counterfeit product and had folic acid in it. So I had been taking folic acid for the past like three months. So I'm pretty upset about that, but I just switched to another brand that they don't even sell on Amazon. So I can't screw that up anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And then honestly, I'm doing red light therapy. I do that on my ovaries. I think that's helped a lot with my like the neural therapy I was doing for my scar tissue from the cyst. Um, I'm also having my husband do light therapy because that increases testosterone. Those are probably the main ones that I'm doing for fertility. So when you talk about neural therapy, can you describe what that is for those who don't know? I can, and you might be able to help me more because I haven't totally dug deep into this, but it's a little shot that I get all over my ovaries. So I get shots, like multiple shots, probably 20 of them. I don't exactly know what the liquid is, but it goes in and it, disin- it helps to disintegrate that scar tissue and open things back up. Yeah, basically it. Yeah, <laughs> injected into the certain locations, right? To yes. like alleviate pain and chronic issues. It sounds like you found actual you know, benefits from that. Oh, definitely. And I got a HSG test, which goes in and they fill your fallopian tubes with a liquid. And if you're blocked, the liquid won't come all the way through your tubes. But if you're not blocked, it goes all the way through and it's painless. And that happened to me. So I'm definitely in the clear that way. So currently your cycle is regular, right? Yeah, I'm completely regular. I've never had any like PCOS. I have a really good egg count. You know, everything seems really normal. We just can't quite figure out why an egg won't stick. (laughs) Yeah, but a lot of people, honestly, a lot of people have fertility issues, whether it's the male or the female. A big Mm -hmm. thing with men is EMF, right? So they keep their phones in their pockets and it's radiating electromagnetic fields onto their area, decreasing sperm motility and decreasing sperm count. People think fertility and fertility issues, they think female. But you know what? There's actually a lot, it has a lot to do with the male sperm quality and quantity as well. But it sounds like you've like tested that and looked through that. Yeah, EMF is a, it's a big topic in my household right now because I'm, we don't sleep with phones in our bedroom. Those are definitely off. No Wi-Fi in our bedroom for sure. And then we use a shield on our phones. It's called the Defender Shield. And it doesn't take Wi-Fi away completely or mitigate Wi-Fi completely. But what it does is it emits it. Like if you're talking on your phone, it emits the Wi-Fi into the opposite direction. So that Wi-Fi isn't going directly into your brain. And if Paul happens to have his phone in his pocket, he will just turn it so that the Wi-Fi is emitting the opposite direction. So it's not like bombarding him or he'll make sure to put it on airplane mode, which is the best, but sometimes it's not always possible. So I like the Defender Shield. 
Yeah, I've heard of it. I've I've heard good things from it as well. It's pretty scary with EMF, just some of the research that's coming out, especially with 5G making its way now. And people are having real health issues related to it. And not just fertility, but like other random symptoms that they can't understand. They don't know what's going on. So it's interesting to kind of like see this field emerging and yeah, like I, I'm hoping that people kind of become more aware of it. Oh, I totally agree. I think, and so many people just, they still don't think that it's going to be a problem or that Wi-Fi is a problem or that cell phone radiation is a problem, but it is, and it will get there. It's just going to take time. But even like the Defender Shield has a shield for your laptop too. Like it, it makes me cringe when I see people putting their laptops on their lap. And I'm like, oh my gosh, please stop doing that. You're just radiation directly into you. (laughs) It is. So for the natural birth control method that you were talking about previously, Mm -hmm. let's just kind of dive into that a bit because a lot of people don't necessarily understand how that works. So I, I do that as well. I actually use an app called Natural Cycles where you put your temperature in every single day and it predicts your ovulation. So yes. yeah, so when you ovulate, that is the only time that you can actually get pregnant. You can't get pregnant throughout the whole month. But the issue is that sperm can actually survive in you for up to five days. So even though you can only get pregnant for say 24 hours is like the egg is alive for 24 hours, the sperm could be in you from before or after, right? So you have to be like, there's that period of time where you, around your ovulation where you have to be really careful. So in the morning when you take your temperature, you know, it has this curve that goes with it of when you're ovulating. So your temperature will be a bit lower. And then when it starts to go higher, like I only know my, my numbers, but when it starts to go higher and there's like a significant jump, say it's like 0.5 degrees, then that is when you're ovulating. And you do the similar thing, right? Like you take your temperature every morning. Yep. I actually just use my aura ring. Do you have an aura ring? Yeah, I do. I do. So I just actually use that and it it won't actually tell you the exact temperature, but it will tell you like the deviation. So it still gives you that graph. And when you see those dips, then you'll know like, oh, that's my ovulation day. It's kind of wonky in that it doesn't give you an exact temperature. It's better to take your temperature every morning. I think just so you know exactly what that number is. I found that I was like forgetting to do it because you need to do it at the exact same time every single day. You know, on weekends, I would sleep in later Then I would get up Monday through Friday or whatever it may be. And I just felt that it, for me, I wasn't being as consistent as I needed to be. So that's why I like the aura ring because I just wear it at night. It does it for me and I don't have to worry about it. And then what happens is like, so you have a higher temperature after your ovulation. And then when it drops back to like, say, mine usually drops to like 97 point. I don't know, like six, 97.7. When it drops, that's when your period comes and then you're mm-hmm. low again and then it goes up. So that's kind of like the body's natural temperature mechanism for females. And like, so through that method, you can track when you can get pregnant, which means that you don't have to take the pill or an IUD or anything else in order to know when you can get pregnant and when you can't. Exactly. You just have to, if you're not trying to get pregnant, you just have to be aware of those days and just be, you know, abstain from it or use another method. But yeah, it's totally doable without 
the pill or an IUD or whatever that may be. You just have to do a little bit more work to really be in tune with your body. And then, I mean, you could also look at your fluid too. So if you're really in tune with your body, you will know when you're ovulating because your cervical fluid will be more like sticky egg whites. But that's something that you really need to know your body. So probably doing that over a period of like four to six months to really understand what that fluid is supposed to look like. Yeah. And then I know your cervix also, the angle of it changes as well, which Mm -hmm. you would have to be quite aware of your body in order to notice that. So I don't do that part, but the other parts like I, I can definitely speak to and definitely do work. Now you mentioned red light therapy, and this is something that I myself actually haven't done yet, mostly because I'm traveling and don't necessarily have the means to buy like the little ones to bring bring with you or like have the space even. So can you dive into this? Like, what is it? What benefits do you see? How is it helping your fertility? Sure. I love red light therapy and I get your whole point that you're traveling and it's hard to, I mean, it's kind of an expensive device and it's, it is kind of hard to travel with unless you're going to get the little handheld one. But that one I think is just more for like spot treatments. It would be hard to do your whole body. You'd be sitting there for hours. So red light therapy Pretty much it just increases your mitochondrial function and your ability to produce ATP. So it's like the energy in your cells. It penetrates your skin, I think about 10 millimeters or so. So you're getting like all of your skin layers, your blood vessels, your lymphatic pathways, your nerves. So it's it's getting all of that. And what it's what it does in the skin is it builds collagen. It helps to smooth out your skin. It decreases inflammation. It helps decrease wrinkles in your skin. And it can even repair like sun damage if you get sunburnt. Personally, I have seen scar tissue decreased. So I have a little cyst that I had removed kind of on my breast area from a cyst that I had years ago. And the scar was, it wasn't big, but it was like, it was raised and kind of puffy, you know, and after a few weeks of my red light therapy, that's like completely gone now. You can kind of see it where it's like a stretch mark a little bit, but it's not puffy anymore. It's gone. I had like fine wrinkles, like little crow's feet on my eyes and stuff that have definitely decreased. My skin looks you know, more plump and full. And it's also a really, really great for your sleep. I do it at night. And I just sit there with my red light. I do it on my face. I do it on my ovaries. I do it on the bottoms of your feet because your your meridians all go down to the bottoms of your feet. So that's just good for general health. And then I do it on my liver. I have some gut kind of issues going on right now. So I'm trying to help my liver detox a little bit better. And I probably use it for 20 to 30 minutes every night on various areas. And then I am so tired, ready to go to sleep, and it helps me have really deep sleep. So I love that portion of it too. Yeah, go ahead. That's great. I I really want to try it. I'm excited to get on board with it, especially for sleep and for skin and sun damage and that sort of stuff too. But for sleep, I really struggle with getting enough deep sleep. My REM is really high and really great. My duration is really great, but I tend to wake up during the night, especially during periods of deep sleep. So that's exciting that it has that benefit. 
yeah, it is super cool. And there's other benefits that it has too. Like if you have, if you have a wound or something, it will help that heal so much faster. It improves like your lymphatic drainage. It's, it helps with muscle soreness. So if I've done a really hard workout, I definitely will use that on my muscles to help kind of mitigate that. So it has so many different uses that I think that it is kind of expensive. I think mine was almost $700 and it's like a 16 by 16 panel. It's not even like the full body one, but because it has so many uses, like I think that it's definitely worth it. And then I live in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. So October through April, it's pretty dark. And I use that in the morning. And I do think it really helps with like seasonal depression. So you just use it for 20, 30 minutes on each area of your body. Yeah. I mean, your face, you don't need that much. You need like one to three minutes because you're just targeting your skin and that's really superficial. So it doesn't need much time at all. But if you're trying to dig deep into an organ, you need more time. So like 20 minutes is like the standard time for kind of getting deep, deeper into your organs. And how soon after when you first started, did you start seeing these benefits? The sleep benefits came right away. I would say like for my skin benefits, seeing fine lines kind of disappear and seeing my scar tissue disappear. I would say that probably took like eight to 10 weeks of everyday use. So it does take a little bit of time, but the sleep and like when I wake up and use that in the morning for a few minutes, you know, on a dark winter day, I could immediately tell that I had more energy. Yeah. So depends on what you use it for, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, no, it, it makes total sense. So for those who have scar tissue or scarring in general, maybe just on the skin surface, maybe from acne or something else. Are there any biohacks or natural health remedies that you would recommend aside from the red light therapy that not everybody has access to? I've pretty much combated all my acne from way back when. I think food is a huge one. You just have to know you know, your food sensitivities and your food allergies and just stay away from those types of foods. In terms of scar tissue, I don't have any necessary big biohacks that I use for scar tissue. I think red light is, is the main one and then like aloe vera, but that's pretty much it unless you have some better ones. I mean, aloe vera is great. I, I love aloe vera, especially actually ingesting it for gut issues is, mm-hmm. is my favorite thing, like aloe vera juice. But for skin issues and scarring, I love cold therapy. I've actually found a lot of benefit from cold showers or cold water face dunks that I do in the sink where you fill the sink with cold water. I've had like sunspots on my face from traveling and like it actually, like they're all gone. (laughs) So it's doing cold water therapy every single day that I've seen the benefit of that. And I've even heard of people who like, I guess, women who have scars like on their breasts from breastfeeding or having kids who've started doing cold showers and six months to a year or later or however often they do it, I guess depends, but the scarring actually goes away and those marks on their breasts goes away because they have the cold water, really cold water hitting the skin, bringing circulation to the skin. That is super cool. I do cold showers every morning. I love it, but I never, I mean... 
I haven't, I guess, I haven't done it for that often. Probably I've only been doing it for maybe a month or so, like consistently. And I've definitely noticed that the pores on my skin are like smaller, but you know, I, I don't have any like sunspots or anything, so I can't tell you that, but that is super interesting. I really like that. Yeah. And cold therapy is actually great for a lot of different things. I find a lot of benefit from mixing it with I guess, hot therapy. So say you go in the sauna for 30 minutes and then a cold shower and then you do it again. So Mm -hmm. that's really good for skin because saunas and steam rooms and anything that's really hot like that for a long time opens the pores up, detoxifies your skin, gets all the gunk out, and then you wash your face and then just with like water and then you do a cold shower and it just like closes everything up super, super tight. So for anybody listening who has acne issues or blackheads, whiteheads, and really has quite a lot of that going on, that type of hydrotherapy, like the mix can be very, very beneficial. I got to start doing that. I love my infrared sauna. I just, because of my fertility stuff, you know, I can only go in it like a week out of the month. So yeah, I can't wait to get back to that though. Do you have your own infrared sauna? I do. Wow. I have one in my house. I'm very fortunate. My husband and I were going to like a medical spa and doing infrared saunas so often we were spending so much money doing it that we just decided to bite the bullet and buy our own so we do have that which is super nice and it's like one of my favorite things is being in there and like listening to podcasts or whatever it may be you just you feel amazing when you get out Yes, that's what I do. I have a sauna at the gym I go to right now. It's not an infrared sauna, but it's better than nothing and I love it. Mm -hmm. So interesting that you said you can only go into it one week out of the month. So what week is that and why can you only go during that time? Good question. So I only go in it for about the first 10 days of my cycle, maybe even eight days of my cycle because after you ovulate or you start trying, because we're trying to conceive, you don't want to heat up (laughs) your egg or sperm. They will kill it. So I definitely, and I don't want to heat a baby that's trying to grow in there because you heat from the inside out. You're doing the infrared. So yeah, it's just not safe. (laughs) That's super interesting because if you are not trying to get pregnant, Doing the sauna during your ovulatory geez, and luteal phase afterwards like is actually really good for you because it helps flush out excess estrogen. And excess estrogen leads to PMS, really difficult periods, a lot of pain. So it's, saunas is actually something I've seen a lot that's recommended, but I guess that's assuming you're not trying to get pregnant or are pregnant. <laughs> Exactly. And this is another fun fact is if you are a male and you are trying to conceive, it could actually going into infrared sauna or even like a hot tub could kill your sperm count for up to six months. So Paul, my husband hasn't been going in it for a long time. (laughs) That's interesting. I did not know that. I've also heard that really tight like boxers or briefs can actually affect like circulation down there as well and impact that. Have you heard anything about that? I have. And I've even kind of heard that with like women's leggings, but I don't know. Yeah, I have heard that with the male. In our case, I don't think it's a huge issue, but I have heard that. 
Yeah. Well, I think it's important to do what you're doing where you're looking at fertility and both of your health from such a holistic standpoint. So not just what you're eating and how you're exercising, like most people view health, but rather these different modalities that you're bringing in, the light therapy, the EMF, the supplements, getting out into nature. And like, that's exactly what biohacking is. Yep. A hundred percent agree. And I think it's fun. And it's just, you learn a lot along the way. And whatever you're trying to fix, you A, end up learning a lot, you B, end up feeling better. And it's just, it's cool. Well, I'm excited to follow along on your journey and like hear about how things are going in the next six months or a year. Hopefully your fertility turns around and then we can bring you back on the podcast. You can tell me all about it. Awesome. Yes. I'm very excited too. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming on today. It was great. It was awesome to dive into a topic I haven't talked about before and from someone who's like such an expert with so much experience. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I hope you got a lot out of that episode. It's always so fun to talk about topics like biohacking, but also biohacking fertility, which I'm super interested in and passionate about and just chatting about it with someone who is as well. Of course, like everything's in the show notes, like I mentioned, and reach out to me if you have any questions. I also have the cycle syncing PDF that I made. Um, It's called Biohack Your Cycle. It is on my website. It's just a one pager. It's like a chart and basically just says what nutrients, food, lifestyle, supplements, fitness, and seed cycling and the moon phases and all these different things for the different phases of your cycle throughout the month. And following that can help you reduce any hormonal imbalances that you're dealing with, whether it is, you know, you trying to get pregnant or it's more on the side of like acne and PMS and really painful periods, or it can also be things like PCOS, which a lot of women deal with now. So learning to kind of live with your cycle and your natural rhythm is something I think I really want to explore. So if you even have any ideas about that or like what you would like to see in terms of that topic, please reach out because this is something I take very seriously and I want to develop it because I've seen the results for myself and I've seen the results for so many people and very few people are talking about living within your cycle. And I kind of hear it like here and there on different podcasts now, but it's still not at all mainstream or like people even understand what it means. So definitely reach out. Even if you want to collaborate, that would be cool too. So I'm open to, to anything. So thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to having you back next week. Have a good one.